But I feel lucky, but I also feel guilty for feeling lucky because there are a lot of people who had it a lot worse than we did. So it's kind of a mixed bag. I don't think you're required to have any sense of guilt for feeling lucky. I can see the guilt of just of just not being hit while other people are hit like that. I can certainly yeah. understand. But I mean, if anything, feeling lucky is just a sense of uh, gratefulness. Yeah. And just seeing the like, just decimated, just everything gone, you know, and realizing, oh, that could have been us. I was listening to um, some firsthand accounts of what was happening in Eastern Kentucky like a month or two ago. They got hit by those horrible floods. Floods, yeah. There's just a sense of me that's like, yeah, I, I should probably pay attention to these things because uh, that's probably going to be all of us at some point or other. I'm so good at catastrophizing, and I'm that's what I was thinking because we're only half a block from the river here. Um, we're not like in the bay, but we're in, we're close to it. So it's like, we've, we've lived in this house for 20 years. What's going to happen in 20 more? You know, I don't even think it's catastrophizing. I just think it's pragmatism. I mean, obviously whatever, I don't even want to say politics. I don't think it's a political thing, but whatever your beliefs are, there's no, there's certainly no denying that these things are coming uh, a lot more frequently and, and that they seem to be increasingly worse. Yeah. Pretty much everywhere. I mean, at one point, there the rainforest was on fire. Australia was on fire. You know, California's on fire. The rainforest, I think, was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was more of intentional. <laughs> I think Bolsonaro is down there actually like lighting, burning down rainforest in Brazil. Yeah. Well, uh, to be fair, I think um, 2020 has skewed, like the the whole pandemic has skewed my version of time, like, like my timeline, like I'm thinking, how long ago was that? Wait, was that before COVID or after, you know, and there's a very, I mean, there's a clear pre and post, but everything that happened after is just kind of runny, you know? <laughs> I had this conversation with a coworker. I flew out to San Francisco earlier this year, I think in the spring, and it was the first time I had seen them. And I referred to something as having been five years ago. And he said, just add two years to any number you say it's nuts. Yeah, it's gone. It's that we can't get that time back. It's frustrating. And it, I just has kind of like been a, a benchmark for me, this whole experience about, you know, especially as a disabled woman, like how people feel and their compassion for their fellow man. I don't know if funny is the right word. I've been on like a handful of dates in the past year testing the water of interacting mm -hmm. with other humans. And mm -hmm. then at a certain point I was like, Oh, this is um, not healthy that this is how every single conversation is going to go. And probably like not a great way to leave a first impression on someone to just be talking about these things. But maybe there's a sense in which we have to kind of get some of these things out of the way as a formality. Yeah. I mean, it, it, cause it casts a shadow on everything. It just does, you know, so let's talk about something. I feel like cartoonists, a lot of artists, people who write and draw comics, and I'll ask them how the past couple of years have been, and they'll get very quiet and they'll say, it's been great. Nobody's bothered me. I've been able to, to sit in, the, in my room and, and work on this all day. And I understand that because nobody wants to, to say the pandemic's been good for them, and you feel like you might be discounting everything that everybody's been through. I think that my marriage is even more rock solid than it was before. I think that it was an opportunity for us as a band to really like, okay, we're not practicing. Yes, we got to figure out garage band. And, you know, we all like Matt, our guitarist, he bought a Mac and we were demoing from home and, you know, it allowed us a little more room to stretch a little bit. And we had originally, we originally want to go, we're going to go in September 2021 to make the record. And we, you know, paused it because of COVID, you know, so um, it gave us another solid year or so to, to finish working on the record. At this point in your life and at this point in your career, especially given the large amount of time that lapsed between before the, the previous album. Do you feel more or less rushed to put new music into the world? Oh, that's a tricky question because I know I know we have a not a um, 
a determined endpoint, but you know, we're not exactly spring chickens. So how much longer are we going to realistically be able to do this? You know, um, and you know, that has nothing to do with, you know, me having MS or anything. It's just, you know, how long can we continue to do this with our lives and our schedules and our kids and our families and everything, you know, health gets to be a concern for everybody at a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're all in our mid to late forties and Keith, my husband, he'll be 51 in October. So, um, yeah, I mean, we want to, we want to put music out and, and, but I just, I find the greatest joy in writing, like actually being in the room with the four of them and just like the, the chemistry and kind of bouncing off each other. Like, I don't know if I had my way, I might just always write <laughs> and record. Those two things specifically don't require necessarily being in the same room as other people, but it sounds like that was perhaps the main thing that you missed band wise. Yes. Yeah, totally. Cause it was cool to do the demoing stuff at, at first. I mean, I'm talking like, like, in the summer of 2020 when no one really knew what wish I was up, you know, and then eventually we were able to ease back into practicing, but you know, there'd be stops and starts because, Oh, um, Matt's kid was exposed to COVID or, um, you know, Brian's kid was exposed to COVID or, you know, so we'd have to stop and test and wait and then get back in and start practicing again. So it was, it was definitely different than any other way we've done it, you know, just cause we didn't have a choice, but, it actually worked out to be pretty, pretty satisfying. And it was, it was good to be in a room with people that I trust and love. And we would practice and I would leave and I would, I would, I swear my chest would feel lighter because we could just kind of leave everything else outside of the room and just focus on music. And then, you know, you go outside and, oh, you're kind of slapped with everything else in the face. But in the meantime, you can just focus on music. So, in the same way that all of this stuff finds its way into the conversations that we have, is it inevitable that it's going to seep into the songs a bit? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I um, I write about personal experiences, and probably I'm sometimes I'm a little too um, open, but it is what it is. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, I. If I think about the record, um, there's probably maybe one or two songs that are directly related to things about COVID, but they're still also about other things too. Um, cause it, my head is a mess. It's a mess up there. So what does it mean to be too open? And at what point in the process do you realize that you are perhaps being too open? When it's too late, usually. So the song is recorded. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there are many, many songs that I've scrapped because it's too blatant, you know, and it's too, it's, it's too blatant or it's too fresh or, um, it's too obvious. Um, and that I realized then that, but sometimes I'll write things and then it's on the record and then I'll look back and go, Oh, okay. So that's, I can't, I can't change anything about it. I, I have to be okay with it. And I'm, I'm obviously confident enough about the song that we wrote to put to put it on there. So I should be okay with the subject matter. And I mean, ultimately, it's it's my it's my choice, you know. So one of the things that's always super interesting to me, and and I, I hear this from a lot of musicians, that there are so many cases of things that it almost wasn't apparent to you what you were writing about when you were writing about it, and then you know, years later, you'll be on stage, and then it'll just kind of it'll click. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have, I have definitely experienced that. I mean, even though everything is pretty pointed and in, you know, the direction I'm going lyrically, um, I'll, I'll look back when I have, you know, a different perspective on it and, and realize that I was actually writing about something else, you know, like, yeah. like you said, you know, um, and especially having the ability to look back and, see these songs that I've written, you know, some of the songs I wrote when I was 19 and playing in those songs and, and the way they hold meaning now are completely different. It's really cool to sit with the same 
content, you know, that you created a lifetime ago and, and, and look at it completely differently. Not to put you too much on the spot here, but what's an example of something that really has taken on completely different meaning, you know, 20, 30 years later? Well, there is one song that was, that I wrote about some friends that had done me wrong, but looking back on it, I was really the one who was, I, I made the choices, you know, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't, you know, like, um, a major shift and I didn't lose lifelong friends or anything. And, you know, years later I, I apologized and, and they were like, well, we were kids. Cause we were, I mean, we were kids, young kids. And in the grand scheme of life, it's just a drop in the bucket. It doesn't really mean anything, but, um, there is definitely one example. And I'm sure there's more I could, if I scan through all of the songs that I wrote, that I've written, I could be like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, mm -hmm, that one too, you know? There's a sense in which writing a song about it is almost even more of a slight, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. It's like airing laundry. Well, uh, but that, I mean, you have to be careful as well. I mean, as a listener, the songwriter could be manipulating you to believe their side of the story. And there's two sides to every story. And I have, I, I have a habit of listening to other songs and immediately deciding what the situation is about. And then I even want to know more detail and like know more about the songwriter and what they were doing and what was going on in their lives. Like that's how, how detailed I get. It's like, it's kind of, obsessive in an unhealthy way. So your own work over the years, I mean, is there a sense in which it's almost been journaling for you? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And sometimes stuff gets dark, you know, and that's the best way for me to deal with it is I just got to lay it all out and just get it out and Sometimes whenever I'm feeling, we'll just that the feelings will be resolved just by writing that song. But a lot of the times I, I get way more satisfaction out of playing it over and over and over and over again. Pogo wasn't together for a while, but I know you're still doing things in the music world. But I'm, I'm guessing that there were fairly long gaps when you weren't really writing songs. Do you have to transfer that energy somewhere else? Well, like when I was when I was first diagnosed, I couldn't play guitar at all. My hands were too numb. And then a couple years later, a few years later, I was able to start playing again. But my husband was in a band and I was extremely jealous because I missed being in a band, you know? And I didn't really have anywhere for it to go. I was still writing, but certainly not at a pace that I was at any point. And then eventually... We started a band with some friends and I had like 10 years worth of songs to cherry pick my favorites from. So you were banking things in that time? Well, I wasn't, I mean, I mean, I'm talking like maybe 10 or 15 songs. It wasn't a lot. It wasn't like setting a goal to write a song a day. It was just like, oh, I, I let me just write about this. And it would, I don't ever really like. Like I think about an idea and then I just sit down and I start thinking about a melody and then it all just kind of comes pouring out. I'm, I'm pretty much a, a hermit anyway. Um, so I just internalize everything, you know? Um, I'll talk to people on, on the podcast or I'll, I'll go interview somebody on a big stage or, you know, go on TV or something. But it's different. if I go to a party and I don't know anybody, I'm just sitting in the corner the entire time. When can I leave? Yeah, it's, it's sort of reconciling that the, the the introversion and then the the desire to be to perform to be out in front of people. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that playing and getting that immediate feedback and the energy from people that you're playing in front of, and you know, obviously from people that you're playing with, that's a different kind of interaction than you know, just sitting and having a conversation with someone one-on-one -on -one, and it gives you a completely different sense of 
of where you are in your body, you know, I, I, I think that the, um, I think there's just a part of me that wants that attention and that, and, and, and the, the good reviews and, and the feedback and people telling me good things. Um, but then I also feel like, especially, well, I mean, I was, I was an introvert before, but you know, not being able to walk and being disabled, things are a lot of, I have a lot of barriers in my life. Um, and then you pack on the pandemic and, you know, all of the, the concerns with that. And I was definitely staying home. Um, so whatever, I, I think I have actually become more of an introvert since all of this started. Um, I think I already was, but I, now I'm, and I, I just, just rather stay home. You know, is it terrible to say I don't really like people anymore? I don't know. I mean, there's a core, obviously there's a core group of family and friends that I love and I trust, but like, I just, like, I just feel let down by everybody. Yeah. I mean, I think it's that thing of, you know, if the, if the circumstances were right, the first time you met somebody and you had that interaction, then it would be possible to like them. But I think where we all kind of sit now is just looking at the world as this is big, just, just massive humanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that you can be an introvert and still, you know, crave that um, kind of stage interaction, you know, with people. It's an interesting duality. Well, you use the word energy to describe that experience of playing in front of an audience, and, and you know, and, and I've I've heard that again from a lot of musicians of the sort of the interchange of of energy between one another. And I think that I was talking to somebody about this. I was talking to a musician who's in a similar role who considers himself an introvert. He frames it in a way that really makes a lot of sense to me that I've kept with me since then, which is. For him, at least, and I, I feel this way too. Being introverted means you have to recharge, and recharging is—is is, I mean, what is recharging but the act of getting that energy back? That's a great way to put it. I've never even thought about that before. The only problem is that we don't play that much, so um, you know, the and the energy that I get is not that frequent, especially um, in the past two and a half years. Um, so, I mean. 2019 for us was a crazy year, a good year, crazy good year for the band. And then we had this momentum and then everything came to a screeching halt. Um, so, um, I, I do miss playing shows, but there's just that element of, um, I mean, and I guess now everybody is just kind of feeling like everything is over, but, I mean, I'm, I'm still at risk because I'm on a medication that, um, suppresses my immune system. So there are still considerations for me. So like when we play our album release show, I'll be wearing a mask in the crowd. I'll have it off obviously while I'm singing, but, um, and that, that kind of changes the way we are approaching things also. Um, and that's why. I feel a little let down by everyone by, and when I say everyone, I mean, the general public. No, I was at an event today and I was, I think the only person with a mask in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but I don't really know. I mean, we're, we're talking about doing some shows next year and, you know, potentially doing some tours, but I don't really know what it looks like for us right now. And that's okay. Um, cause that's how things happen, you know, things change, but I'm really happy with this record and, um, I feel like it's probably the, I know I probably say this every time I put something out because it's, it's my favorite. It's my favorite so far. Um, but I say that every time something comes out, but the, well, now you're saying so far, which implies that you're going to yeah. say it again. Yeah. Bracing yourself for it. Yeah. You use the word momentum and it's a word that I've been thinking about a lot over the past few years in terms of the pandemic and, and kind of re-engaging or 
I was somebody that went into the office every day and, and now I work from home and it, it's great. I, I don't know why I didn't do it the entire time. And I, I don't know why I was on the subway for an hour there and back. But Oof. for me in the pandemic, momentum is this, it was momentum that kept me going. It was knowing that every day I had to get up and go out. Mm-hmm. And that forced me to sort of to, to, to engage with the world. And, mm-hmm. and when I was out, that meant I you know could stay out and that meant I could meet people in the city. And now that's all gone. And it's really difficult finding the energy to kickstart yourself again. I've been working from home since 2006 um, and have been, let's see, not, I've been using a scooter or not walking um, for seven years, but I was still, you know, I would still get out and do things. But then when the, when the pandemic happened, I like, the scope of my world got even smaller, you know? Um, so, you know, there was momentum and now it's just stasis, you know, just sitting here, you know, and we we're in the same routine and I'm just wondering if we'll ever fully recover. I don't, as a country, um, as a, as a, a world, I don't know that we will, um, just because it's, you can't just push it to the side and forget about it. You know, um, it's still here and it's still problematic. Um, but it could have been handled better, obviously. Um, and could have been not a non-issue. Um, is it really worth talking about now? I don't know. I do want to talk about positive momentum. Obviously, there was a sense in which the van was kind of still not necessarily maybe exactly broken up and that you would still like play shows from, you know, time to time or once a year or something like that. But it sounds like when you really decided to give this whole thing a go again, it re-energized everybody in a really profound way. Yes. Yeah. Um, you're right. We, we had gotten together a few, back together a few times over the years. Um, but nobody could ever really fully commit to it. And then the last time we reunited, I think it was 2015 or 2016. Um, we said, why are we not doing this all the time? Cause we had so much fun. Um, and you know, our original bass player, Brad could not commit full time. Um, but Brian, who has been a friend of ours and, in the same scene, we've known him for 25, 30 years. Um, he's been in the band now longer, the second incarnation than Brad was the first time, you know? That's such a funny thing about bands. You, you know, you find out that like, I don't know, the Pixies have been reunited for like like three times longer than yeah. ever. And it, it, I, I think it's just that thing that, that you experience time much differently when you're younger. Yes, 1000%. Because you, you, when you think about... I think about the the band and what I, what I did when I was in the band, and it was like I don't know a year and a half. But I look up back on it with this massive amount of of nostalgia, like oh, that was the best time. But you know, we're in, we're in good, we're all in a good place right now. We're all you know stable and happy, and we have the time to commit to do this, and it's. It's fulfilling for all of us. And that, that to, you know, that's the positive momentum is that we keep showing up every week. And, um, it's positive for me in the sense that I have, I mean, I, I really feel like, cause playing music, you engage all areas of your brain and playing music for as long as I have, I'm sure that's been beneficial to, um, you know, staving off any cognitive impairments that are related to MS. Um, so, and I have to, I play every day. Sometimes it's an exercise in futility. Sometimes I'm playing with, you know, frozen hot dogs for hands, but it just keeps my muscle memory going. It keeps my brain functioning. It just, you know, ignites ignites something inside of me that just wants, want, I just want to keep going, you know? Um, so it's, it's really important to me. Like you said, it's, it's definitely, um, it takes the place of journaling. Um, 
but I think that since we've been back together, um, we've really been able to hone what it is that we want to do with the band and, and talk about, you know, maybe stepping outside and doing things that are a little out of our comfort zone and, um, you know, bringing Brian into the band, he's been bringing songs to the, to, to practice too. So we've had, um, you know, a third songwriter and then that changes the dynamic completely. And it's been, um, really fun, um, and a really exciting time for us too. So, um, even if it's just for like two hours, once a week, the four of us, um, but then I'm still playing every day. Um, and, and some, like I said, sometimes it's an exercise in futility, but stubborn sometimes to uh, to the point of being detrimental like i wonder if i should just stop with the power chords and play with an open tuning because i have dexterity problems like i can't i can't i don't wear earrings with backs i can't button my shirt i can't wear shirts with buttons um so the fact that i'm still playing guitar is it's pretty cool um whether or not it is something i'm going to continue to be able to do i don't know um but the thing about ms is that you could have a great day and then you can have a really terrible day um and there's really no explanation for it you know so that's the frozen hot dog hands there's just some some days are frozen hot dog hands yeah yeah Yeah. um and for me it's sometimes more often than not but um i mean it's just, it's, I, I get comfortable in my relative level of function. But then when I think about things that I can or can't do in comparison to other people, it's really quite shocking that I feel like I'm just like everybody else because I mean, in fact, I'm not, you know, um, the fact that I'm so determined to continue to play guitar that we have to have everything set up just so my pedal board has my, I have a rug and there are outlines of circles where to set my chair. My pedal board has to be in this place. Here's the chalk lines for my pedal board. I have to be situated in exact certain way. I can keep, I can press my tube screamer pedal. That's that I've had for 25 years, but I have to keep my foot resting on it. So like everything has to be, you know, every hair in place. And then, then maybe then I'll still be able to pull it off. You know what I mean? So it's all this, it's gotta be, it's very choreographed, you know, um, in the preparation for it, I should say, um, to actually play a show. What happens when you get frozen hot dog hands on the road? Have a bad night. (laughs) I mean, there's no way. I mean, it's, can somebody else do the heavy lifting in terms of like the guitar playing or, Oh yeah. Well, I mean, for sure. I, I mean, I play rhythm guitar, you know, Matt is, is our lead guitarist. I, I'm a songwriter. I, that's how I write songs is on guitar. And then I'm just playing what I wrote essentially. Sometimes I'll play, I'll get a little fancy, but you know, I, I can't get too fancy cause I just, I don't have the dexterity for it. It, when it happens and then when it does happen, like there's been shows where just the first song out of the gate, I, I get flustered and I mess up and then I'm in my head for the entire set and everything's terrible for me. Um, and then sometimes I'll feel like everything's terrible. And then everyone in the band will be like, what are you talking about? That was great. Um, and I think that's just because I'm just very hard on myself, you know, in general. So, yeah, I, Obviously, this is not at all comparable, but, you know, I I was dealing with the health thing at the beginning of the pandemic, um, and I I had facial paralysis uh, for about six months there. Mm -hmm. And something that I had a lot of trouble articulating was the... The the frustration is part of it, but but also just... um, I mean, the first time you encounter not being able to move a muscle that, you know, of your, of your, like of your nerves and your brain, just not being able to connect those two things. It, it's mind boggling. Mm-hmm. And scary. So scary. I had a, I, one of my relapses, I had Bell's palsy on one side of, yeah. 
Um, so yeah. And, and the thing about MS is that it can literally affect any part of your body. I met someone last year, two years ago who, um, also has MS and she's had MS for as long as I have and she's fully mobile. Um, she can walk, but she, um, is almost completely deaf. So, I mean, if I got to pick or choose, you know, that I would definitely, I want, I want to be able to still sing and speak and listen and, um, you know, think of ideas. And, and so far, I mean, I, this month will actually be 21 years since my diagnosis. Um, your, your MS can drink. Oh, I know. And it should have a drink because it's been very mean to me over the years. But do you know Will Colin Hart from the Elevate Tremor Control? I I don't know him. I know of him. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that band too. Because he's he's been living with MS for oh really I didn't l- know at least that. ten years. Yeah, um, but he but yeah, I mean, he um, he can walk. I think he can still play guitar. But obviously, yeah, I mean it's. I I, I think you know in 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 a strange way maybe the things that other people don't see can be the most difficult sometimes. Well, yes, because I'm in my scooter and I'm sitting in my scooter and that's how you see me. You see me driving around this little, it looks like a cart, you know, it looks fun. Like I was out today and someone said, yeah, man, I wish I had one of those. And I was like, "Ah." okay, well maybe I wish I had functioning legs and feet. Um, but no one really sees the day to day of me transferring from my scooter to the bed, getting dressed, you know, I have a ramp van and I drive with hand controls and, um, I still do strength training. It's, but it's just my upper body. So, but no one sees me, you know, get on the mat and, and, you know, and how I actually get around and function. And it's kind of a shock sometimes when people come to the house because, and even family sometimes because they'll only see me when I'm at their house and I'm in my scooter. But when I'm actually in my house and doing things and trying to get around, it is a little bit of shock. People don't, they're like, oh, you know, because they just see me sitting in my scooter and they think that's it, you know, but there's, there's, there's so many layers to what's happening in my body right now. Um, I couldn't even begin to, I mean, I could, but it would take a long time for you to, for me to list every single symptom. It's, it's a lot, you know, not for nothing. I mean, I've, I've tried a lot of medications over the years. So I've tried medications. I've tried diet. I've tried acupuncture. I've tried a couple experimental things. I've tried, um, some kooky, some kooky technique to check to see if you're being treated properly. I've tried um, chiropractor. I've tried physical therapy. I mean, you name it, I've tried it. Um, I have darkened every door of possible ways to treat this. Um, and that is also frustrating too, to just bang your head against the wall and just continue to get worse. Um, And, you know, I also think about that and too, in terms of the band, um, you know, like, because over the past couple of years, my legs have gotten worse. They're very stiff. And what's going to happen when, when, when something else happens, you know, and, and I can't really think too much about that. I think it's important, especially with, with me, I can just snowball and get to a really dark place. But if we can just, you know, focus on what we're doing right now and, and, and I don't think about those possibilities. Um, it really is a positive thing that we're doing all of this right now, you know, um, cause it keeps my, it keeps the, the demons off my shoulder, you know, dark, dark stuff. I mean, obviously time is finite for all of us at the end of the mm-hmm. day, but it, it mm-hmm. is a sense in which being diagnosed, you know, and realizing that, you're not necessarily going to be able to get up on stage and play forever. Is there a sense in which that was a motivating factor for reuniting the band or at least keeping going? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
100%. Um, because, you know, I had, we had done bands in between, you know, when we had first originally formed and then, um, you know, when we got back together. Um, but, and they were fun. And I was, I put my guitar down because I couldn't play. So I started playing keyboards and I did something totally different. But it, it just, it was, it wasn't it. You know, it just didn't, it didn't click. Right. It was, it was fun and then we had a great time, but it, it wasn't the thing, you know? Um, and then when we got the band back together and I was like, okay, we need to do this now. And because we have a lot of time to make up for a lot of lost time. Um, and, 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 you know, I mentioned we were only, I was only in the band for a year and a half, but even then, like they, with, with the original singer, they did two tours and then we did one tour and that was it. You know, we never, we, we were never out there touring like three, six months out of the year. We, we never did that. Um, and now we're at a place where it's not really something we could do either because we all have all boring responsibilities and, you know, kids and jobs and all that stuff. And to be able to do it comfortably, not like a punk tour, because we did that um, in 2018 and it was hard because... I mean, even if you didn't have MS, you, you, you know, there, there's a certain point in your life where you can't sleep on floors anymore. Yeah, no, we did spring for hotels. We, we, um, we did do that at least, but you know, like the boys would have to carry me on stage because there's no way for me to get on stage. Yeah. Um, and you know, we did that when we went to Japan too. Um, and the only tour that we've done that that was not an issue was with a jawbreaker. And that was a total fluke for us to get on that tour. It was a dream. It was amazing. Um, but playing those types of venues, they have, you know, the setup to, to move large equipment. So moving my scooter around was no problem. Um, so we got a little taste of what that would be like. And, and that was cool. But yeah, I think that there is, a nagging voice in the back of my head saying you, you need to do this now for as long as you can and then do it until I can't do it anymore you know and I don't know when that's going to be so I'm just going to keep doing it until I can't anymore and when I can't I don't really want to think about that because that'll be sad like I think that I'll be always be able I think I'll be singing I'm just I, I think at some point my hands will be like no do this anymore um because it's a struggle i'm not gonna lie my grandmother had ms for most of her adult life so 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 you know that her struggles are something that i thought about a lot over the years and, and i think that a part about it that maybe doesn't get talked about enough because obviously there's a you know there's enough kind of to, to talk about in terms of the condition itself but is having to you know you mentioned these moments of them literally having to pick you up and, and move you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as somebody who I assume has been fairly independent or maybe very independent in your entire life, you have to mm-hmm. sort of, obviously you have to trust people, but, but also like swallow your pride. <laughs> you have to swallow your pride and, 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 and you have to like be, be okay with people doing things for you. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a, a fine line between someone wanting to be helpful and someone just making it worse. Because unless they understand specifically what it is that I need, um, like if a stranger is like, oh, let me help you. And I'll be like, no, I got it. It's okay. Because then I have to have to explain everything. You got to do it. This is how you, this is how you help me bend my legs. You know, you got to put, pretend like they're Barbie legs and bend it like that. And it's this whole thing. You'd rather not have a stranger bend your legs right. too, yeah. I assume. Yeah. And then there's always the, oh, they'll see me on the scooter. What happened to you? Are you hurt? It's like, no, um, that's none of your business. But anyway, the with the band, I mean, they're like family to me. And obviously my husband's in the band. So um, I trust them completely. Um, and they they've known me long enough to know what I can and can't do and what I need help with. And I'm not afraid to ask for help. I am very independent, but I'm also not, I mean, 
yes, an introvert and how I like to spend my time. But if I need to reach something on a shelf, I'll say, excuse me, can you help me grab that? You know, um, that's different um, than having someone offer to, you know, do something for you that you don't even need, you know? Um, so asking for help is one thing. Um, but having someone know exactly the kind of help you need is completely different. You know, I'm always so interested when somebody steps into a role in a band. I mean, you know, obviously that happens a lot, but you don't often see the singer or the songwriter, the front person doing that. Mm -hmm. That's a lot less common. How did that feel early on? You know, was, was there, was there insecurity as far as like actually coming in and, and really, and filling somebody's shoes? Yeah, for sure. Because, well, first of all, I was extremely jealous of Pogo when I was in, in the scene. Okay. So you were, you were a fan before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And this, the original singer, Kobe, was and is just this enigmatic person. She's dancing all over the stage and acting goofy. And it's it was a completely different band. Um, so when they asked me to join, um, they decided to keep the name. But like the very first practice, we all realized this is not the same band when you add a second guitar. Um, and we decided just to keep the name, but it just became a completely different animal, you know? Um, and she had some big shoes to fill and it was, it was really scary. My first practice with them. And I can even remember like when we went to record a seven inch, um, and I, I had recorded before, but, um, not with them. I had done, um, and I had gone to a studio and done live two track to eight at. So that dates me significantly. But, um, when we went to record and I went to do vocals, they, they tell the story about, I don't remember this because I was probably just so nervous. I was jumping out of my skin, but they said, they said, I got up to the mic and I was singing like this real quiet. And they just kind of looked at each other and they were like, what are we going to do? <laughs> and so, yeah. and, and they had to like talk to me like, you gotta, you know, put some oomph behind it. Don't be scared. And then it was, you know, a game changer. Um, but even since then, um, I mean, I still have insecurities and it's funny because, you know, obviously I get feedback from the band and everything about songs and stuff, but I said something to Keith the other day about how come you never talk about why you like being in a band with me? And he said, well, I'm in a band with you, aren't I? So, um, you know, you've been with, you've been with playing with these people for so long. It's just kind of understood that of course I'm playing with you because I sure. Like I mean, your friends don't like volunteer why they're friends with you all the time. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Um, I, um, I think that there's even still, like, I think, like, Matt and Keith have a connection because they were the original two. There are cliques? Yeah, well, even between four people, it sounds ridiculous, but, like, they'll just look at each other and they can start a song. Like, they don't, there's no talking. But, but then again, I can play a song and then Matt will come up with a part that fits exactly and he'll know exactly what I wanted him to play without me having even to articulate it. And then Brian just, you know, comes in and does some Carl Alvarez bass lines and like all over the place. And I think he had two punches when he recorded his tracks um, when we did the record. So he's just insanely talented and he falls right in line with all of us because we've all been friends for so long. So, um, but even then still, there's a different breakdown where you have me and Keith and then you have Matt and Brian. So it's like the married couple and then the two other people in the band. Talk about dynamics that have broken up bands in the past. Well, um, we do have... Um, I mean, you weren't, you weren't married the first time around. That, that no. happened in the interim. Yeah. Um, we weren't married the first time. I mean, he fell in love with me when we were on tour, but... Um, 
Yeah, he did tell me that. Um, like he got back from tour and he's like, man, I have a real problem. I'm in love with my friend's girlfriend and he still had a girlfriend and it was this whole thing, but we didn't even date until years after any of that. So we had to actively say, we have to actively say to each other, like, okay, we're not married. We're going to practice right now. Um, cause we can get, we can get a little, uh, bickery and it gets a little uncomfortable for the, for the boys. Um, and we have a safe word. If we're arguing too much, they're allowed to say Engelbert Humperdinck. And then we start laughing and it's all over. So it's only been used like a few times, but, um, I, I have to separate myself as a wife when I'm in the band because I can't take any of it personally because we're business when it's in the band. You know what I mean? Um, and so we'll have disagreements about a song arrangement or whatever. And then it used to be when we were on the way home, I would be like, here's the last thing I'm going to say about that, you know? Um, which is something I'm famous for saying anyway, cause I'll bring it, I'll bring something up like an hour after it happened. But now we're at the point where we're, we're able to just have our disagreement about whatever. And then we get in the car and it's like, we both came from our other band practices and we're fine. Um, so that took a little bit of, and I'm sure we hammered all of that out too in the band that we were, I, I, I apologize to the other people that we played with. Cause I know we were real, uh, contentious cause we hadn't quite figured out that yet, that interaction between, you know, Keith and I, it's, it's um, it's different now that we're married and in a band together, obviously. Um, it's complicated. But good. I was watching and reading some interviews that you did, and I think Keith volunteered the um, fact that uh, he was the reason you didn't sign a a record deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He, um, we were supposed to sign with this label, and um, he had been through a bad breakup, and he just kind of lost it, like literally, and. Um, we were going the next day to sign the, the, um, the contract and he, it just wasn't the right time. It was, you know, it all was meant to happen the way it was. Um, but you know, everything in its own time. Right. Um, he like, like he, like we would, we met with him at Denny's afterwards to try and talk to him about it. And he's like, yeah, I don't even remember that. So he was just heartbroken. Um, it was bad. Um, so yeah, we were supposed to, and then, um, with Pogo and then we had a second band and we were going to sign with this label called tree records. Um, and, um, we were going to have to tour like six months out of the year. And then someone else in the band had some problems and then I got MS. So there's, there's always seems to have been some bad timing when, when everything starts to get, you know what? I'm just now realizing that. Okay. So we almost signed the record deal and Keith quits. Then we almost signed another record deal. And then the band falls, that band falls apart. And then we have an amazing year in 2019 and then the pandemic. So maybe there's a curse on our band. I don't know. It sounds like you're in a good place with all of that now, you know, in terms of things happening the way they happen for a reason or, but I mean, at the time it's probably got to be difficult to not have some major regrets about something like that. I, I mean, I, I do, I do regret not having that experience, you know, of being on tour, just like that relentless touring and, and just getting really good at playing guitar and, you know, just, doing it, you know, living it. And I, I never had the opportunity to do that. Um, and because when I was, I mean, obviously we had the opportunity, but then once I was diagnosed, I, I needed a few years just to kind of find my bearings anyway, to see which way was up. And then 
only then could I even think about if it's something that I wanted to do again, you know? Was it clear prior to getting the band back together that that was something that you wanted to do at some point? I mean, it's always been in the back of my mind and I, I've always wanted to again. Um, but I never knew if everybody else was on board or even wanted to, you know, and you know, there was a lot of many years where it just, it wasn't the right time, you know? Um, like even one of the first reunions we did, I wasn't playing guitar. I just sang. Um, so even getting to a point where I felt comfortable playing guitar live in band took a lot of nerve for me, you know? Um, so there's the wanting to do it and there's the execution of it, you know, um, and the logistics of that. Um, and you know, being disabled just complicates all of that. Um, so there's a lot of things to think about when we're making these decisions now. It's not like, let's get in the van and tour. You know, it's not that simple anymore. And obviously things get complicated as you get older and have responsibilities and things like that. At what point was it clear that it was working? Oh, as soon as we, as soon as we started practicing again, um, it was like, why did we, I mean, we all just, I think it was because maybe it was because I was playing guitar again and we were all just kind of like, you know, looking at each other, like, let's, let's do this more. Um, you know, like I said before, why did we ever stop? Um, and you make time for the things that are important to you. That's the bottom line, you know? Um, so we're making time for it and it's a conscious choice. Um, and, I think it's one of the best decisions we've made like ever to get this band back together because um, it's, it makes me happy and it makes all of us happy. And isn't that the reason for doing it in the first place? I mean, um, I mean people telling you the record is nice is great, but you know, what is driving you to do it in the first place? Um, and that's for me is to, to be productive and creative and, um, you know, do it with people that um, have the same goals and, and, and ideas that I do. Um, and, and that's enough given everything else going on in my life. You know, it's, it's actually, it's not just enough, it's a gift. Um, and I don't take that lightly, you know. So I'm really glad that, that we started back up again. It's really meant a lot. Um, and and we've already put two records out, so that's pretty great. Um, with someone who we greatly admire and are huge fans of, so um, those experiences alone have been worth the entire ride. So, not not to mention all the other crazy, cool things we've gotten to do so far. <laughs> 